Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah, that's a great question. So, look, we got a packet from the league. Obviously, when policies change, um, it's our job to educate. Um, Mark Thews was was awesome. Um, we're professional teachers. And so the packet we received, we looked at, studied closely, and then we presented it in our own PowerPoint. And I probably had 20 minutes on it um, to, to really... Uh, Make sure everyone has it. You know, if you're a teacher and half your class gets a D, you, you better look at yourself. And so um, it's not the policy, but it's the implementation and the understanding and the educating of the policy. And, and so we've I presented a week and a half ago. Now someone officially will present and hopefully it won't be from that eight page handout we received because that was more confusing after I read it than it was before I, before I looked at it. Um, so I think we're all on the same page. That is a very tactful way by Sean Payton. Not all that tactful, but more tactful than it could have been of saying that the NFL's gambling policy is a mess. It reads mm-hmm. as if it was written by lawyers for lawyers. It is long, it is convoluted, it is clunky, and players are not going to understand it. So they're one of the teams that actually took it and rewrote it into something that players will understand. What can we do? What can't we do? What are the consequences if we do something we shouldn't do? And I've been saying this all week since the Isaiah Rogers stuff bubbled up. Coaches get in players' faces all the time and tell them, here's what you need to do or else. How hard is it, Miles, for coaches to get in the faces of players one at a time and say, here's what you need to do or else, and here's what the or else is. If you do this, you don't play. They'll catch you. They'll suspend you. 
Your phone is the thing that's betraying you. Don't think you can outsmart the phone. Don't think you can outsmart the league. If you bet, you're done. Don't do it. And so kudos to the Broncos for taking that policy and understanding the importance to the players and the importance to the team of making sure that everyone understands it. There's no misunderstanding. There's no confusion, no uncertainty. Everybody knows what the stakes are when you're talking about players gambling on things they shouldn't gamble on ever and players gambling in places where they shouldn't gamble, like on team property or on team business. Yes, exactly. And I I mean, if we're going to have this policy right now, then that's exactly what needs to happen. Everybody needs to understand what the rules are and how they have to follow them. And I really like what Sean Payton said about if the whole class is getting a D, then you need to look at yourself as the teacher. I love that. It's true. Because if nobody understands something, then that means you're not teaching it well enough. And frankly, I think the NFL needs to look at its policy in general, which I guess is kind of a roundabout way of say of what Sean Payton was trying to say in the first place. You know, because he's saying if, you know, every they're teaching this thing the way they got it, then it didn't make any sense effectively. So I don't know, man. I, I look at this and I'm like, is Jamison Williams placing a bet that he is allowed to place, but he places it in a place where he shouldn't place it? Like that's really worth six games. Like that's where I'm kind of like, man, like why, why are we doing this? What is this policy and why is it so strange that, you know, we're in a world now where the NFL is certainly in bed with multiple sports books, right? We've got sports books literally at stadiums that are slated to be open during game days. And to be clear, no player, no coach, no league team personnel person should be betting on the NFL, right? That goes to the integrity of the game. Under no circumstances should that happen. However, if somebody is placing a bet on the NBA finals or the NHL finals or whatever else, does it really matter whether they place it in the facility or at the gas station across the street when they're on their way home? To me, it shouldn't matter. However, it does right now. So because of that, you have to do what Sean Payton is doing and you got to get in front of it and you have to make sure players understand exactly what they can and cannot do. So kudos to Sean Payton for, for taking that initiative. This all flows from the power of the commissioner to protect the integrity of the game. Everything related to gambling. It's all unilaterally developed by the league and implemented by the league without consultation with the union negotiating, bargaining with the union. There's no right. And the union concedes his point. The league has the power to make this policy and to implement the policy and determine where the lines are. Now, I think this cries out for bargaining. This cries out for union involvement because they are, as Jerry Jones would say, circumcising a mosquito here when it comes to <laughs> it's, it's permissible It's permissible if you're on the sidewalk outside the team facility to bet on the NBA Finals. The minute you walk through the door, it's an affront to the integrity of the game. Why? Whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If If this all flows from protecting the integrity of the game, why in the hell is it okay here but not here? It's okay right. if you're here. You cross this imaginary line. Ho, 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 integrity of the game. 
it, it makes no freaking sense. Either tell the players you can bet anywhere you want on non-NFL events or, and this is what I would suggest, for all the things they're concerned about, and the thing that I think they need to be concerned about the most is a player encountering the out-of-control debt that you can run into if you keep chasing your losses and chasing your losses while gambling on these other sports. Why not just say, okay, here's the rule. No betting on any sports whatsoever while you're playing in the NFL. It's all a violation. How many players would say, let me sleep on this. Hmm, let's see. I have incredible God-given abilities. I've worked hard to hone them to their absolute maximum. I've had a lifelong dream to play in the NFL. But I'd maybe rather gamble instead. Ah, sorry, NFL. I'll, I'll, I'll give up my career so I can go gamble on sports. I mean, how many guys? The answer would be none would yeah. say, oh, oh, I can't, I can't give up my gambling habit. They want to play in the NFL. So why not just make that the rule? They've got the unilateral power to do it. Now, now look, I'm going to go conspiracy theorist here since, hey, if I'm one of the top five, I need to hold my spot. Wait, where's my, where's my I hat? Like- I got to grab my hat. Is this a one hat or go two ahead. hat or three hat or what are we doing? I feel like at some level, the league likes to have this low-hanging fruit that just falls into their shoes of guys violating the policy because that helps obscure the fact that they got other issues when it comes to gambling that they got to get their arms around. And if you're suspending guys once a month, the impression is, oh, hey, oh, it works. Policy works. Hey, middle finger to whoever pulled that up. The policy <laughs> works. And, and, so, and so the stuff they should be worried about, misuse of inside information, access to inside information. Who knows this stuff? Who's telling people this stuff? How, how intricately have the smart players arranged a network of friends and family members who are doing the betting for them and they never take their phone into the building? It's somebody else. Instead of having your phone with pings to the DraftKings or FanDuel app, you're just texting your buddy, your brother, your mother, your father, your spouse, whoever, that this is who you want to bet on. How much of that are they ever going to detect? So we never get to that point where we have that conversation if once a month they're busting someone for gambling. So I'm not saying that they've set up this thing where it's very easy to violate the policy because if you're outside the building, you're fine. If you're inside the building, you're effed. But it does, this this constant stream of suspensions does keep us from ever having the conversation about the more obscure ways that the policy is being violated and they don't have the evidence show up gift-wrapped like it is from their sportsbook partners who are ratting out the players because they have all the information showing that they're violating the policy. Yes. Uh, I'd give that uh, one, uh, two out of five tinfoil hats for you, Mike. That's not your best work on conspiracy theories, but it's also not your worst. Um, Look, I, I, I disagree with you on the point of prohibit all betting. I mean, I I don't know. I guess it's just my attitude toward it, but I'm, I'm really laissez faire about it. I mean, let, let them place bets. I don't care. Because to me, 
it's just, and not on the NFL to be very clear again, right? It, under no circumstances should that happen. But I mean, look, it's, it's a little FanDuel app. And yeah, I understand that things can get out of control and that does happen. But the vast majority of players, I would think, don't particularly care all that much, right? I mean, we're talking about a league with thousands of players in it. And we're having this discussion about a very select few. Now, when you see this kind of plethora of guys getting busted for this, and especially the ones who are placing bets on the NFL and their own teams, that's where you're just like, dude, what exactly are you doing? And to have somebody where it's like, oh, yeah, they understand that what they're doing is wrong because they had a proxy filling hundreds of bets for them. Like, that's that's so silly, man. I, and you saw what happened with Calvin Ridley. Why would you even do that? Why would you risk your career like that? I, that's something I don't really understand. But, I mean, I, I look at this and it's like, well, if somebody wants to place like a little bet on the NBA Finals, why do we care about that? I, I don't care. So I just say, let them do it. Except the only thing that you really need to prohibit is betting on the NFL. Other than that, let them place bets, whatever. Well, whatever it is, it should be one or the other. It should be no wagering on sports of any kind, period. Or, or you can wager on anything you want, just not the NFL. That would be a lot easier for people to understand. And Jamison Williams wouldn't be suspended six games right now. If, if the rule was, it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not an issue with the integrity of the game. It just, that just makes no sense to me. How is – I'm repeating myself, but it's just – it's incomprehensible. And I think the NFL has an obligation to itself and to the players. Unless this is some convoluted ruse to set traps so nobody ever digs deeper to look at where else the gambling policy is being violated and the NFL just doesn't have the resources – to enforce because, the, you know, that costs money to have the resources to enforce and to chase down the evidence. And it wouldn't be easy. It wouldn't be easy. I mean, right. if a player is really smart, he would know how to stay one step ahead of whatever the NFL would be doing to try to find violations. But there are a lot of different ways the NFL can have an issue when it comes to gambling. And right now the issue is the players don't know the policy well enough or they don't care. And the other thing, too, Sims and I were talking about this yesterday. There's the wrinkle of addiction where they know the rules, they understand the rules, and they can't help themselves because they develop an addiction to sports betting in college, in high school, whenever. And this is just a continuation of the lifestyle that they cannot stop because they are hooked on the dopamine rush that comes from winning whatever amounts they're winning, whatever it is. It's become part of their lifestyle, and they can't shed it, and that's just the way it is. So... That, that's part of this, too. And I think this is just a microcosm of the broader issue with legalizing gambling throughout society. What problems is it creating? How rampant is it? And how detrimental is it? Because we can sit here and say until we are literally blue in the face, gamble responsibly, only use money that you're prepared to lose. You're not going to win. You can't win. You won't win over time. You'll get a win here or there, but you're going to lose over time. I don't know how many people fully understand that. Everybody thinks they have a system. Everybody thinks they can win. Everybody thinks they're going to be different from all the people who constantly lose, and they develop the habit, and and that's that. So the NFL's got a problem. I like what the Broncos are doing to try to make sure the players know the rules, and hopefully other teams will follow suit. Let's go ahead and take a break. We've got plenty more to get to on this Friday edition of PFT Live. When we return, the number one pick is officially QB1. 
That and more as we do fill in the blank next here on PFT Live. Sing your go-to warm-up song. All right. So it's Louis the Child, Better Not, and it's like, It's too low, don't waste it. You better not. I'm in a ball week, not getting any sleep, trying to... It's Tell Me You Love Me by Galantis. Thou shall not try one of us if they do. I'm going to bust his own wrist, his own chain. Not about to set it. It's more I respect if they get me upset. So I'm going to say These boys be capping their rap. I'm the truth. Shout out to King, the rock star. Shout out my label, that's me. I'm in it with TP, Lil Baby Freestyle. Shout out my label, that's me. I'm in it TP. I'm in it with Full Trey. <laughs> How... I'm feeling it doesn't matter Cause you know I'm okay All eyes on me All eyes on me And still I ask myself Why do you worry? Yeah, that's that right way right there Apologies any damage to your eardrums there <laughs> the on-field abilities do not extend to the musical abilities i i do have to say this though as the rookies were singing their hype songs aiden o'connell can we get a still frame of that aiden oh, yeah. o'connell looks to me like guy who went to private high school that had no facial hair policy and just graduated and decided i am going to grow a mustache no matter how bad it looks i've waited for years i just graduated I now can because I've been there and done that, frankly. I can I can relate to this. And I'm keeping this damn thing no matter how bad it looks because I am free from the requirement that I must shave my face every day. That's the Aiden yeah. O'Connell mustache. Yeah, that's what that looks like. He's also in that Derek Carr forgers. Yeah, I noticed some Raiders had a little bit of a problem with that. Um, they None of those guys should quit their day jobs. And frankly, Mike, I have never felt older. I don't think I recognize any of those songs. Maybe that's because... <laughs> they were so bad at performing them but i'm like i don't i don't know any of that that was weird one guy not in that mixture of uh singing or something approximating it was bryce young <laughs> we expected from the get-go panthers trade up to number one bryce young is selected over other quarterbacks who went in the top four he's going to be the starting quarterback week one and to their credit the Panthers have dropped any facade that there's a competition between Bryce Young and Andy Dalton here's Frank Reich on the fact that Bryce Young is QB1 on the Panthers roster is there any change to the depth chart resume right now uh, yeah Bryce has Bryce has taken uh, the snap with the snaps with the ones this week that was something that at the beginning Scott and I kind of earmarked the time when we thought would be best kind of mapping it out talked it through with the staff you know, at the beginning of the offseason, this was kind of the time that we had marked this week to just kind of um, move him up. It's just the next step, right? I mean, you know, there's nothing, I'm not saying, there's really nothing to say other than, hey, we just wanted to move him up this week. Um, felt like it's been the right time. He had a couple weeks to watch Andy. Um, that was really, that was really good stuff. And, and Andy's continued to perform at a very high level. You know, Bryce is doing well. Matt's doing well. It's, you know, we're just trying to get our team ready. Everything is about what's best for our team. Um, and so this was just the next step. 
Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the phony quarterback competition aimed at building a guy's confidence. He's already got a high degree of confidence or he wouldn't have done everything he did in college. You need to get him ready. You need to get him ready. And they're doing what they can to get him ready. And will there be anyone in the locker room who thinks something's being handed to this guy? He was the number one overall pick. Nothing's being handed to him. He was drafted with the expectation he's the team's quarterback. Let's get him ready. Let's get behind him. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's a chicken and the egg thing. But the bottom line is once they trade up, once they make him the pick, of course, of course he's QB1. And if he isn't, why the hell did you pick him? Exactly. This is not a surprise I think that the way that they did it made sense. Frank Reich explained it, had a couple of weeks to watch Andy. Now it just makes sense to move him up, start getting him ready. I mean, my, I think we all would have been stunned if Bryce Young were not taking snaps with the first team, at least by training camp, right? I mean, this is a guy that should be a day one starter. He has a lot of experience. He has won games at Alabama. He played for a guy who is now an NFL offensive coordinator, a past NFL head coach in Bill O'Brien. There's no reason why he should not be a day one starter. So it makes sense to get him ready as they are instead of doing the stupid quarterback competition like Urban Meyer did between Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence. What purpose did that serve? It served no purpose, right? So this makes complete sense. Oh, oh. they got a sixth-round pick for Gardner Minshew. They got a sixth-round pick in trade. So they duped the Eagles into thinking that I'm kidding. Okay, uh, fill in the blank then. Bryce Young will lead all rookie quarterbacks in what? Um, I have a tough time saying you'll lead him in it at passing yards, I guess, because he's the one quarterback that I, I feel comfortable with saying at this point in June, he's going to be the day one starter. I would think that CJ Stroud is also going to be a day one starter um, with the Houston Texans. Anthony Richardson may or may not be I mean, just based on the fact that he is so green. And I don't think that they want to put him in a position to fail, even though the Colts have talked about the fact that you need to be able to play. So I'll say passing yards. I mean, I'm not overly enthralled with the weapons that uh, the the Carolina Panthers have. So I don't necessarily want to say touchdowns. And I don't think interceptions would be a very nice thing to say. So I'll, I'll just go with passing yards. How about you, Mike? Many say that wins aren't a quarterback stat. I'm kind of in the middle on that. But but he will lead them in wins. He will lead yeah. all rookie quarterbacks in wins. I think the Panthers yes. will be better than expected. They're in a wide-open division, and it's not going to take many wins, I think, to have more than the Texans or the Colts. Those are the other two teams where I think the, the rookie quarterback is going to be the week one starter and start as long as he's healthy enough to play. All right, uh, Kansas City Chiefs need someone to step up at receiver. In the absence of Juju Smith-Schuster, they've got Kadarius Toney, who I think is going to be their their new number one guy, Tyreek Hill style. They've got Travis Kelsey. Here's Coach Andy Reid when he wasn't talking about ham and grilled cheese on French toast with powdered sugar, talking about Sky Moore as they expect him to step up in year two. Yeah, Sky, Sky's worked real hard this offseason, so and he, he looks like he's on the same page with, with Patrick. Um, he's doing a nice job, and again, we, we just in these camps he's been doing a real nice job. Let, let's uh, keep on advancing as we go, and and he'll do that because he's wired right to to do that. 
Hey, look, he, he could be a, a very potent weapon there if Tony and Kelsey are drawing the attention. He gets single coverage. He's fast enough to make a difference. So let's fill in the blank. After Travis Kelsey, blank will have the most receiving yards on the 2023 Chiefs. DeAndre Hopkins. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it would probably be Sky Moore. Wow. I mean, I, I would I would think it would be Sky Moore because I, I would want to say Kadarius Tony, but I, I don't have faith that he's going to be healthy throughout the entire year. I mean, but the other guy that kind of comes to mind for me is Rushy Rice. I mean, even though rookies don't usually make all of that much of an impact in an Andy Reid offense in their first year, this is a guy that was working out with Patrick Mahomes pre-draft. And I don't think that's everything, but I also don't think it's nothing. So Valdez Scantling is also there. Um, and I mean, yeah, you got Noah Gray, Jody Fortson, Blake Bell. They have a they have good weapons. You know, nobody that makes you want to say, oh my goodness, except for Travis Kelsey, which is why Travis Kelsey is who he is. Um, but yeah, I, I think Sky Moore is ready to take that step. Obviously, big touchdown in the Super Bowl. And it just seems like he is primed to really take on that bigger role. I think it'll be Kadarius Toney. I think that yeah. that they wanted to bring him along slowly. He had a touchdown also in the Super Bowl, and they're trying to to kind of will him into that number one receiver role. They've got him under contract for several more years. They got a great deal in trade with the Giants. They brought him in in the second year of a low salary. The Giants pay the bulk of the compensation and the signing bonus for that first-round selection. I think it's going to be Tony, and I think they, they love what he can do because he's the closest thing they have now to what Tyreek Hill used to do for them. All right, uh, Tristan Wirfs, the former right tackle of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, moving to left tackle in the absence of Donovan Smith. Here's Wirfs talking about the change from one side to the other. Everything's backwards. Um, Just kind of getting used to throwing my left hand instead of my right and not throwing with my right and and opening up. Um, Well, like... My weight distribution, like I always used to keep my weight in my left leg. I don't want to keep it in my right. It's just, it's all different. It's so similar. It's like it's just, you're doing the same stuff, but it's all just flipped. So um, just just getting as many reps as I can, you know, with, with Coach Joe and um, just to keep keep building. You know, I have thousands of reps on the right side and, you know, going to, you know, as a, as a newborn baby now on the left. You could see that Wirfs was trying very hard to not characterize the shift the way that he did when he entered the NFL a few years ago. And he said, it feels awkward at first, but once you settle in, it feels fine. It kind of feels like wiping your butt with your other hand. It's awkward at first, (laughs) but you get used to it. That's what he said coming into the NFL. And I could tell. I could tell he's trying to think, is there an opening for this? Should I say this again? Should I not say this again? But he said that before, that that's what it's like. It's mirror image. I mean, you think about it. It's complete mirror image of what you're used to. You've got to get used to that change. The Buccaneers are hoping that he will. There was a point earlier this offseason where he was preparing for either one. He wasn't sure what they were going to do. Now it's clear he's going from the right side to the left side. And I I think it'll be fine, but it does require that time to make the transition, Miles. It does. And, you know, this is not nearly the level of competition, but I mean, I did it in high school where I was going from left to right, right to left all the time. And I 
had that positional versatility on the offensive line. And it does really require you to think about, okay, what does this mean now that I am on one side or the other side? Like he was saying, how does my weight shift? How do I make sure I don't have any tells for what I'm going to do because I'm playing a different position? So I I also think it behooves the Buccaneers to do this now in this season where who knows how good they're going to be. In terms of like what can Tristan Wurtz make this shift, then it would be, you know, maybe next year. Because if it doesn't work out, then you just put him back on the right side and you have a right tackle probably for the next eight years, right? Because that's how good he is. And we know that he's good. But if he can make this transition to the left side successfully, then that puts you in an even better spot because you don't have to go out and find another left tackle. So I, I, I like that the Buccaneers are doing it. And I think Tristan Wurtz has the wherewithal to be able to, to do it successfully. Buried in that response, the reality that Miles Simmons was an offensive lineman in high school. Now, I don't know. Maybe you went through some sort of a Russell Okung-type transformation after (laughs) your playing days were over. 40 days of fasting with only water is how Russell Okung lost 100 pounds as quickly as he did. But, uh, yeah, uh, give me your measurements when you were uh, an offensive tackle in uh, in Cleveland. I was the same height. We were a small private high school, Division 5, which is lower, unlike, you know, where it is in some states where Division 5 is higher. We were lower. So, I mean, I was like six feet. I think I got up to like 195 pounds, maybe, maybe 200. One time the head coach was like, oh, we should get you up to like 205. I'm thinking like, I don't want to be that big. That's crazy. I was a pulling guard, 26 power. That was my specialty. Oh, pulling guard. Okay. All right. Good. Good. So you weren't a tackle. You're on the inside. You didn't have to be quite as big. Uh, I bl- well, something I new a, we learned I, about. Me. I played offensive tackle when I was younger. I, I started for three years. So when I was sophomore, I was a, a tackle and then I moved inside. And sometimes I would bump over to the right side when we needed it. I played center for a game. You know, I, I was playing all over the place. I also always made the, the calls. Uh, bl- the well, is my thing. The blank offensive line has the most important job to do in 2023. Which team are you putting in there? Um, the Jets. I mean, I, there are so many different teams. Like, you know, when we're going through this, and I was looking at it. I mean, like, there are so many different teams I could say. But I, I think the Jets, because of the way the hype train is with Aaron Rodgers, if you don't protect that guy, you know, he is an older quarterback, then – that's not going to work, right? If you can't protect him, then the whole thing, the whole project is a non-starter. So that's, I guess, where my mind goes to with the Jets. You know, I thought of the Jets as well, and you're right. We've already seen him get injured, non-contact, in pre-practice conditioning, pulling a sled Mm -hmm. or running with a medicine ball or whatever he was doing, but they need to keep him healthy. We've seen him suffer broken collarbones twice, getting dragged down to the ground. So the Jets offensive line, you're right. They need to keep him clean and upright. And you've got Mekhi Becton, who aspires to play left side. You've got Dwayne Brown, who seems a little salty about the prospect of moving to the right side. Both guys aren't healthy. We don't even know who's going to be able to play tackle for the Jets at this point. That's been glossed over in this euphoria about having Aaron Rodgers in New York. Who's going to be the five guys who are trying to keep him in one piece and able to play as long as he can. So I think that is the clear number one. Now, beyond that, you can go a lot of different directions. I thought about the Browns B 
because mm-hmm. they're the great wild card this year. And Deshaun Watson, to get the most out of Deshaun Watson, you better be able to protect him. But he's got the mobility that it's not as critical. I'll go back to a team we talked about earlier in the program. If you're going to get the most out of Russell Wilson, and you look at the investment that the Broncos have already made in the offseason in the offensive line. You've got to give him a chance to thrive. The offensive line has to do better or this is all going to collapse and Russell's going to be out of there. And Garrett Bowles can bemoan the fact that his his good friend Russell Wilson is playing for some other team next year because the offensive line wasn't good enough to let him do what he needs to do to save his job. Yeah, exactly. You can't you, Russ can't cook if he doesn't have the ingredients, right? And I think that if the shoe shops up front don't allow him that time, then you know, you're gonna be burning a meal or whatever else Fancy. I guess we could go to in the it's like it's like he'd be dumping the chicken into the fryer without, you know, breaking the surface first, right? So there you go to call back to earlier in the show. I would also go to the dolphins as one where you definitely need good protection for Tua Tungavailoa based on what we know about the injury history there. The Ravens, I mean, if you yes. want to get the most out of Lamar Jackson in a new offensive scheme, got to be able to protect and still have to be able to run block effectively. I think the Bills offensive line could stand to be a little bit more physical. Houston, Carolina, uh, you know, uh, with rookie quarterbacks, uh, Colts, Tennessee potentially there as well. Rams need a re- big rebound year from their offensive line. It's interesting. We were talking about Tristan Wirfs. Like the Bucks are very far down my list, I guess, just because I don't have very high expectations for them in general. So basically what you're saying is I should have asked you uh, to list the teams that don't have offensive yeah. lines that need to step up this year because you pretty much listed half the league. Uh, but, but you're right. Look, it's critical. And the reality, I said this earlier, I think, with offensive lines. You don't notice them when they're playing well. When they're playing well, you notice the quarterbacks, the running backs, the receivers, the tight ends. You only notice the offensive line when they suck and the quarterback doesn't have time to even take a look down the field before he's got to either run for it or just get rid of the football or get slammed to the ground. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. DeAndre Hopkins begins his free agent tour over the weekend with a visit to Tennessee. The next stop has been identified for his itinerary. We'll tell you where it is and where this all may go from here when PFT Live continues right after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Rumors about trades. You don't control that. Of course not. So I want to play another game with you, right? All right. I don't want you to verbally answer this question. Okay. I'm going to name some destinations. I want your body language or your facial expression to determine, like, ooh, would I like that spot if the Cardinals want to trade you? First destination. We're going to go with the New England Patriots. All right. Second destination. We're going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Third destination. We're going to go with the New York Jets. Last destination, we're going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, you know, some of the, 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 the best answers are the answers where you don't hear anything. That was from the All Things Covered podcast, DeAndre Hopkins, middle of April. For those of you listening to this podcast or on Sirius XM 85, you didn't get to see it. We agreed at the time that based upon the reaction by DeAndre Hopkins, interested in the Chiefs and Bills, not interested in the Jets and Patriots. He's visiting the Patriots next week, according to NFL media. After the Titans, he goes to see the Patriots, where his former head coach, Bill O'Brien, is the offensive coordinator. The same guy who traded him from Houston to Arizona is the offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. And despite that look that he gave kind of off to the side, I don't know, maybe that's his way of expressing interest, like, take me there. I don't know. But he's going there to visit the Patriots after he visits the Tennessee Titans. Well, hey, man. I mean, things change, right? And this is interesting. This is going to be the second spot where he could potentially reunite with some folks that he was with in Houston. Obviously, Mike Vrabel used to be the defensive coordinator there um, with the Houston Texans. Tim Kelly, who is the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, also held that position with the Houston Texans uh, when DeAndre Hopkins was there. And obviously, Bill O'Brien, head coach, play caller and all that. But, you know, if he goes and visits New England, that's at least another person who knows DeAndre Hopkins and understands the kinds of things that DeAndre Hopkins can do for him on the field. So, I, But what, wasn't there some sort of issue between DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien? Am I misremembering this? Because, I mean, I wasn't covering the entire league at the time, but I can't quite remember exactly what it was. I mean, or was it just the contract that led Bill O'Brien to trading him to, to uh, Arizona? There was a... An incident before he got his second contract where he was going to hold out and he kind of showed up and then he left and then he came back and it never really turned into anything and he eventually got his second contract. Then there was some issues between him and ownership, the late Bob McNair before Cal took over. There were some things that happened then. There were some comments that Bob McNair allegedly made about Barack Obama in the locker room that did not go over well with players like DeAndre Hopkins. Then in the aftermath of the anthem controversy and some of the things that happened then, there was a a day when practice was shut down and Hopkins walked out. So there were things of that nature. But there was just a general sense that they were at the end of their rope with DeAndre Hopkins, and they gave him away for a second-round pick and running back David Johnson when he Mm -hmm. was well past his most productive years in the NFL. So it had a feel of 
this guy wants out and we're accommodating him. Let's just get him out of here, even though he's one of the best receivers at the time in the NFL. So it, it felt dysfunctional. Everything about the Texans felt dysfunctional then. And it doesn't feel like it would make sense for him to go to New England, dating all the way back to his reaction when he was asked about the Patriots two months ago, three months ago, two months ago. So, uh, I look, I think this is a product of his agent, and I think it was smart for him to hire an agent mm-hmm. who can guide him through this process and say to him, DeAndre, they're not going to throw $20 million a year at you. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to get what you want. And you've got to go convince these teams that it's worth their while to talk to you, to meet with you, that you're not going to be a guy who gets something far less than what he wanted, and then he's going to be a problem because he didn't get what he wanted. And then he starts playing well, and it's going to be a problem because he's not happy. You have to go sell yourself to them. They have concerns. And look, I said this yesterday, I don't like trafficking in negative rumors that anonymous sources are spreading about players. But if you're if you, if you know people around the league, it's it's hard to avoid. Bad teammate doesn't want to practice. There's some stuff out there that he's got to push back against. So he's got to go mm-hmm. meet these coaches, meet these teams and start to build some buzz. Build a sense that, 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 you know, there's a competition that could break out of all of this. And, hey, oh, we, hey, oh yeah, he was great. He was in Tennessee. He was great. Everybody loved him. Oh, he's in New England. Everybody loved him. And then you go from there. So I think it's smart that he's doing this because sitting around and waiting, that wasn't getting it done. He's got to go out there and, and sell himself to these teams. Well, and this is, this is exactly what a good agent does, right? You set up these visits. You start to create that sense of competition between the teams. And then who knows what happens? Maybe two of these teams, three of these teams do end up in a bidding war. And, you know, I, I loved that the Browns were on that graph that we just had of the odds, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins' next team. Get those Cleveland Browns up there, baby. I did hear Mary Kay Cabot on Cleveland Radio. She covers the Browns for Cleveland.com, has for decades. Uh, she said that, you know, the odds that don't look very good for the Browns to sign DeAndre Hopkins, and it might surprise her if they actually did that. So that kind of made me a little bit discouraged, but I don't know. Maybe people in Vegas know something that she doesn't for once. So we'll see. But that, I think, would make a lot of sense just from the standpoint of the Browns do have some cap room, and they need to do everything they can to make Deshaun Watson comfortable so that he can you know, fulfill the promise, let's call it, of that gargantuan contract and get the Browns to the postseason again. And that's really the litmus test. If they're serious about giving Deshaun Watson everything he needs to get the most out of this contract as he enters year two of five and they need mm-hmm. to get him to produce the return on the investment. And it was a massive investment, not just the money, but all the draft picks they gave up. If he wants him, you figure out a way to make it work if you truly yep. want to get the most out of Deshaun Watson. So, you know, he's got those connections in Tennessee, in New England, in Cleveland. It was only the Chiefs and Bills, though, who reportedly talked to the Cardinals about a trade. And that, I think it was Albert Breer of SI.com, pointed out it all went sideways when Odo Beckham Jr. got $15 million fully guaranteed with a readily reachable $3 million in incentives. So that just kind of tells you the ballpark where teams were. To have Beckham's deal cause the Hopkins potential for a trade and a re- rework contract go out the window – He's probably still higher than where the teams wanted to be, and that's part of the challenge here 
Where is he going to get the best possible offer? How is he going to get the best possible offer? And will the team that ultimately signs him be comfortable that he's happy with the best offer he can find? I still think the Chiefs and Bills eventually are going to get in. I've heard the Bills just aren't going to budge on whatever it is they're willing to pay. But I think he can make a real difference in Kansas City if they if they think they need him. They may not think they need him, Miles. I I would bet that they would love to have him. I mean, listen, Juju Smith-Schuster is a really significant loss for that ball club. Uh, that is the guy that Patrick Mahomes went to when defenses said it's third and seven, but Travis Kelsey is not catching this ball. I don't care. Travis Kelsey's not catching it. Well, Juju Smith-Schuster was the outlet guy in that offense. And so you need somebody else to step up into that role. And I know we were talking about Sky Moore, and I, I think that Sky Moore has that kind of potential, but he's not the veteran crafted route runner with strong, strong hands that you can depend on on third and seven when you got to have it, right? So I, I think the Chiefs could absolutely use DeAndre Hopkins. Well, and you know, you mentioned the departure of Juju Smith-Schuster. He's in New England. Another, another reason to just kind of react to the news the same way DeAndre Hopkins did when he was asked the question. He just kind of like, what's going on here? All right, uh, what's going on next? We're going to talk about Jalen Hurts. Can he get any better than the guy that we saw last year? His head coach weighed in on that yesterday. We'll tell you what he said next here on PFT Live. There's a good chance I'm there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we'll, we'll go. Look, it, we got some people coming, and, and uh, you know, my wife invited some friends and got some people from the staff. So it'll be good. It'll be a good time. Dan Campbell at a Taylor Swift concert. Hey, we've seen Aaron Rodgers there. We've seen Mac Jones there. It's the event of the summer, filling up stadiums. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Think about the revenue generated by just one of those shows and then multiply it by – Every major venue in the country. I mean, yeah. every single one of them. Oh, my God. I couldn't get into the Beyonce concert at SoFi Stadium for less than $200. If you're going, if you're going to Beyonce and Taylor Swift this summer, you got money. That's why people are standing out there in the parking lot and screaming out songs because they can't afford to go. It's ridiculous, man. Concert tickets, too damn hot. Do you, do you have a favorite Taylor Swift song, Mike? No, I'm not going to pretend that I know no. what many of them are. <laughs> um, I can tell you what, though. You can get two and a half hours of solid entertainment for far less than $200 if you just break down and rent a few good men. And you don't even have to leave your house. There you go. So, all right. Um, all right. Yeah. It's another movie. I don't know how to transition to, to this. So to yeah, I know. Let's just, let's just move. Do we go to break? Taylor Swift was right, recently in Philadelphia and also playing in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts. Well, I've been I've been I've been told to save Jalen for another day so that we have time for the draft that we have today, and I can't even remember what the draft is. So I'll figure it out, I'll do my prep, and I'll be ready to make some not crappy picks when PFT Live continues right after this. I feel like I got the right tools around me. You know, I got, you know, obviously the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. You know, I got one of the I got one of the best, you know, head coaches coaches in the NFL and also my position coach is, you know, a monster also. So 
just having those three things, man, and me just keeping the same mindset each and every day that I want to get better and, you know, I want to break the record. And, you know, I do want to break the record. So I feel like this is one of those years that I can, you know, achieve it. Tyreek Hill, Dolphins receiver. I don't want to go get off my lawn here, but I'd rather a guy say I want to win the Super Bowl. I don't care about records. I don't care about records, but it does shed light. I really do believe. When he saw Cooper Cup making a run at the Calvin Johnson single season receiving yardage record and also the single season reception record, I feel like he got frustrated that he wasn't getting. He thought he could do the same thing. And maybe he could, but they got too many weapons in Miami. How do you how do you force the ball to Tyreek Hill when you've got Jalen Waddle when you've got all those running backs? How do you ever generate the kind of production that's going to get Tyreek Hill to two thousand yards? I just think it's it's too much to ask for, and it skews everything out of balance, and it may make the offense less effective than it could be overall. Absolutely, when you have somebody like Jalen Waddle who balances things out in a very good way for the Miami Dolphins offense overall, and you have Mike McDaniel saying that he wants to run the ball more. I'm not necessarily sure that it's in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins offense for Tyreek Hill to be breaking a record. Now, I mean, maybe it is if they're just, you know, going out there like gangbusters and, you know, they're putting up 40 points a game, then I guess that's one way for Tyreek Hill to do that. But it just doesn't necessarily compute to me within that scheme that that's something that's good for that to happen. That leads us to today's draft. The best bets for a wow statistical year and it obviously would be a wow if Tyreek Hill ends up with 2,000 receiving yards miles I'll give you the first selection well and I will take somebody from your favorite team give me Justin Jefferson right I mean he had a wow statistical year last year and especially if they're moving on from Dalvin Cook then that offense is going to continue to run almost (laughs) exclusively through a Justin Jefferson and that should yes lead to opportunities for guys like Osborne like Addison Alexander Madison who we talked about earlier in the show too but Justin Jefferson is the man he is the best receiver in football and I think that he is almost a better bet to break those kinds of records than a Tyree kill would be see is it really a wow, though? Because he had the big year last year. It's not going to make us say, wow, we expect oh, it from him. Come maybe on, I'm no, splitting do hairs on what wow you means. Are. But he's yeah, already come on. we already assume the wow. Anything less than what he did last year will be a disappointment. It's not a wow. It's like, yeah, it's just Justin Jefferson doing it again. It's not a wow. Come on. Don't, don't, I'm not going to go wow. Don't, don't devalue greatness just because we've seen it. It's like people who get mad at Patrick Mah- or get sick of Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is so great. Don't don't be, you know, blinded by the fact that he makes us say wow all the time. Appreciate it while we have it. So you should absolutely be still saying wow and you especially Mr. Vikings over there. No, but but it requires me to say wow. Some unexpected development that makes me say wow. Like the main character in the series, Barry, that you're going to watch at some point. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but at some point Thank he you. says, wow. Something makes you say, wow. And Justin Jefferson having a big statistical year won't make me say, wow. It'll make me say, yeah, that's what he's supposed to do. Here's one that will make me say, wow. And I think he's going to have a wow year. It's going to be Najee Harris, the Steelers running back year three. They've got a quarterback who is developing and ascending. They, got an, they have an offensive line that's going to be better. They've got receivers who with George Pickens coming into his own, will be better. Pat Fryermuth at tight end. I think the table's set for Najee Harris 
to do what he didn't do last year. They struggled early on. He came on late as the team did. I think he's going to be strong out of the gates. He's going to be motivated by the criticism he took last year. And that's going to be one of those where we see what he does at the end of the day. We're going to look at his numbers and we're going to say, wow. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I, I, I think we're doing a little bit different definitions of wow, but yes, Najee Harris, I think, and, and you brought up a point that I've been making that I don't think enough people are making. The Steelers skill position players are very, very good. So Kenny Pickett should be in line for a big second season. So that's something else that might make us say wow. Uh, my second pick though, Debo Samuel. And maybe he doesn't necessarily qualify for your somebody that makes you say wow factor. But listen, I mean, he is somebody this week who said that he had an awful 2022 season. And now Trent Williams, their left tackle, was kind of fitting. Like, well, I thought he was Debo. I mean, he was all right to me. But if Debo Samuel says that he was awful last year and he's vowing never to put anything like that on tape again, well, I think that means that the rest of the league should look out because that is one of the most effective offensive weapons that we have in the National Football League right now. And if he is that motivated, and even though they've got Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, who is also apparently poised to take off in his own words in the coming season, Debo Samuel is going to be out there and he's going to be kicking ass and taking names. So I think he is poised for another wow season. And look... It's possible we're both right because I see the definition of wow. I never thought I'd be looking up today the definition of the word wow, expressing <laughs> astonishment or admiration. I'm okay. using the astonishment. You're using the admiration. For me, wow is like, I'm astonished. I'm surprised. I didn't expect this. Next one for me, and you're going to love this one because you've been trashing this team low key the whole show, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Baker oh, yeah. Mayfield Yes, you have. I think Baker Mayfield is going to give us a wild season because nobody's expecting anything from Baker Mayfield. Everyone's down on Baker Mayfield. He's three years removed from a wild season with the Cleveland Browns. He's got Mike Evans. He's got Chris Godwin. He's got who's the running back? Rasheed White, the guy that they expect, and that he could be he could be kind of wow as well. He's the guy now. But I think Baker Mayfield wins that job. And I think Baker Mayfield has a better year than we're expecting. And when we see the final numbers, there will be many who say, wow, astonishment and or admiration. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's not like I don't like Baker Mayfield. I, Baker Mayfield's fine. But look, I mean, look, Tom Brady had a wow season last year for them and not necessarily a good way. I was pretty astonished at how bad they were. So there you go. Um, I'll he did throw for 5,000 yards. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a break. All we'll right. finish next segment. Brady did throw for 5,000 yards last year at age 45. I think that's a wow. We'll do the final round when PFT Live concludes right after this. Are we back? Oh, we're back. Hey, we're back. All right. Uh, Round three of the best bets for wow statistical year. Wow. Wow. We're back. Uh, Miles, what do you got? I don't think you've ever done that before with me on the show. That was pretty funny. Uh, I'll go with DJ Moore. I think he was a huge acquisition for the Chicago Bears, a bona fide number one wide receiver for a guy like Justin Fields, who is looking to take that next step as a passer. If he can do it, Chase Claypool is going to be a factor, but also DJ Moore. Big, big factor in that trade to go from number one overall down the board. Um, so, yeah, I, I think DJ Moore, who has been a kind of bona fide number one guy, he's gotten over a thousand yards before, but I think he could take off even further in this Bears offense. 
Here's one for me, and this is wow astonishment, and it's not going to be huge numbers, but it's, it's going to be enough to make people say wow. Irv Smith, the Bengals tight end, who Ooh, is the I latest like guy pick. plugged in to be the guy who's, who's wide open because they're covering Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Irv Smith, if he can stay healthy, he can go yeah. wow. A couple of others I had on the list, Tony Pollard, we talked about him earlier. If they don't add Dalvin Cook, it could be wow year for Tony Pollard. I also had Kadarius Tony. We talked about him earlier. I think it's going to be a big year for him. Any others that didn't make the draft for you? Uh, well, Stephon Diggs and Nick Chubb, but I mean, I guess those guys don't really count in your wow books. So those were my kind of no, picks. And Travis Kelsey again. I think Chubbs is going to be wow because it's going to be not like it's been because they're shifting toward the past. We are shifting toward the weekend. See you Monday. 